Well, it's good to be here. My name is Andy DeVarga, as my cousin said, and um, we're missionaries to Ecuador and South, at South America. Um, we've been down there for about 10 years, my wife and I and my three children. Well, all my three children were born there. Um, and uh, our main work is evangelism. It's just taking the Word of God to people that's never heard it before. We live in a province or state that uh, is basically unevangelized. It's .001% Christian, roughly. Um, so basically anybody that hears you open the Bible and, and just speak the Word of God have, have never heard it before, um, which is quite a strange thing because uh, it's also 99.9% Catholic. Um, so they may have heard some things in the Bible, but very, very little. You could read a verse like Matthew 3.16, and, and it would be the first time they've ever heard it, 99% of them. So it's a really um, very interesting uh, mission field. So um, if you want any information about it back here in the booth behind uh, the, the computers and things, there's some more information, or if you have any questions or anything, you want to sign up on our list afterwards to receive. We sent out a prayer letter. Uh, about once every two months or so, just kind of informing people what's going on with us, how we need prayer, things like that, then feel free to talk to us or sign up back there, get some information. You can just you, you can just grab a pamphlet that has our website, and you can do everything from that. So, um, yeah. Let's, uh, let's just get into the Word. I, don't, I hope no, I don't startle anybody because I kind of get animated. I'm kind of passionate. And I get a little overboard sometimes, so please uh, bear with me. Um, I try to calm myself down, but I get a little excited sometimes. So bear with me this morning as we get into the Word. I'm just going to keep it really simple this morning. As we're thinking about Christmas, um, thinking about Jesus coming to the earth, I don't think there's really any more important thing than what I'm going to say to you this morning, to be honest with you. And I think that the simple things in the gospel have been kind of pushed aside and people want to know about real complicated things in the Bible and that's okay but sometimes we just need to get down and back to some simple things in the Word of God and remember um, where it all starts and where it all happens in our lives and our relationship to God so let's just say a quick order of prayer and we'll get into his word God thank you for everyone that's here Thank you, God, for the woes that invited folks that aren't normally here, God. Thank you, God, for those that have a heart and those that serve here to reach those in need around this community. I thank you, God, for Rick and this church and what all they've done and laid their labor. I count it a great honor to be here, God, and I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would bring honor to you, Lord that you would be glorified in all that we do here this morning. God, that you would touch our lives and you would give us ears, spiritual ears to hear and spiritual eyes to see what you want to say to us in this moment, God, and that you, we leave change. You're a God that can intervene. You're a God of power. You're not a mute God. You're not a blind God, and you are not an immobile God. You're all-powerful God, and I know from experience the things that you can do in our lives when we're weak, Lord, you are strong. And I pray that you would show your power today, God, for your name's sake, Lord. Remove me and my 
my will and let yours be done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I want to talk to you today about a subject that I've been preaching about for almost 20 years, but I feel like God has shown me every year something more, something deeper. And it's, it's really interesting how things in the Bible can just unfold to you. And you think you kind of got it, you think you understand it, and God just brings a deeper understanding um, of things. And uh, that certainly happened with me around the subject I'm going to talk to you today about, which we call the gospel. The gospel just means the good news. Jesus talks a lot about it. He, uh, his whole ministry was focused on just preaching the gospel and getting the good news to those that needed it. And um, so specifically, I'm talking about the word repentance. When Jesus came, a lot of people don't, don't realize I was astounded when I first read the Bible because I didn't grow up. I, did, I grew up in a Catholic church, but I didn't grow up knowing anything about the Bible. And so when I just started reading the Bible without hearing what anybody thought about it, I was astounded at how simple it was and how straight to the point. I mean, Jesus would come along, and you think he's got all this stuff to say, but he comes along, and he says, like in, in Mark chapter 1, uh, this is not in the notes for you guys doing that, uh, 14, it says, Now after John, speaking of John the Baptist, was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And listen to what he says. Verse 15 is saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's all he said. And he walks away. I mean, you know, if you heard Jesus was in town, if we all heard Jesus was here in town right now, we'd be running out this door trying to hear him. And if all he said to you was looked at you and said, Repent ye and believe the gospel, you might be a little disappointed. I don't know. I kind of think I would just naturally without the Spirit of God opening my eyes to what he was really saying. He's saying, listen, right here, right now, the kingdom of God is at hand. There's hope right now. Not, we don't have to wait until the by and by. Right here, right now, where you are in your situation, there's hope right now. And he says, repent. And believe in that word repent, metanoia in the Greek, is a word that is just not common. I mean, the first time I was in church, I think, was the first time I ever heard the word because it's so uncommon. You know, it's just not a thing that we use in modern English. And in church, I found that if you go up to the person that's been in church for 20 years and is somebody that just comes to church, you know, they come and they go, and you go up to them and you ask them, explain to me what repentance is, 99% of people I have found can't do it. Where are you at right now? I mean, if I ask you, I come up to you and I say, explain to me biblically what is repentance. I need to know. Could you do that? And I have found that most people can't. And so, you know, I started seeking God, and God, just show me what this means. Show me what the basic, simple things of Scripture really are and what they mean. And um, like I said, I mean, just within the last couple of years this a lot of this has opened up to me because you go into the dictionary and you look up the definition okay that helps some for sure the definition is just literally literally the word means to change one's mind or purpose as it appears it's, it's just it's like i was thinking this i want to do this i'm here this is what i believe and it's changing your mind to believe something else right that's, that's repentance, just in the simple definition of it. 
uh, so through the years as I started studying history during the Reformation around the 1500s when Martin Luther came along and he started studying and looking at the Greek and the original languages because at this time 99.9% of all priests which the, the, the the Europe and all that was all Catholic. They all used something we call the Latin Vulgate. They used the Bible in, translated in Latin, not in the original languages. And it had been changed. It had been distorted, some of the key principles in it. One of them is repentance. And they translate it into this word that we say, penance. We're going to do penance, right? And so if you haven't grown up Catholic, let me help you out here, that what that really means is that we have these things we call sacraments, and if you do those, they will allow the grace of God to come to you. And without doing X, Y, and Z, the grace of God cannot come to you and help you. Okay? That's, that's the idea that was going on for hundreds of years in this stale environment and dogmatic environment. And so they put that in the Latin Vulgate, and it was preached for hundreds of years. The only problem was it wasn't the word. The word was metanoia, which meant to change one's mind. It was something speaking of a deep thing that happens within a human being, something in the deep in the soul of a man, in the inner parts of a man that, 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 that science can't explain. Those things that happen to us, when those experiences we have that are deep within us. Right, And so the idea of repentance is when you are going along in your life and you think, I'm going to do it my way, I want it this way, this is the way I think, this is what I'm going to do. And when God comes to you and His Word comes to you and penetrates the hardness of your heart and you start to realize, for years I've been so wrong. I'm so messed up and broken inside. And you start to realize what God has been screaming at humanity is, listen, we are sinners, and, and, and we're in the hands of a God that, that is just and holy. And I am not. And I am undone. And it is only by His mercy and His grace that I have any hope here because everything I good that I've tried to do through the years has got me really nothing. Right? And so this idea of repentance is being broken. There, uh, in um, 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of or not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. In the NSAB it says this, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. How many people here have been sorry for something they've done wrong? But it's more like I'm sorry I got caught and I have to deal with the consequences for those things that I did. It's, it's not so much, you know, I really know that I shouldn't have done it. It's not so much that, you know, wow, something's really wrong inside of me. Why would I even have done such a thing? I am a disgusting human being. What is wrong with me? It's not so much that. It's more, man, it stinks I got caught. Man, I hate going to jail. I hate paying this fine. I hate, you know, my girlfriend leaving me or my wife wanting a divorce. I hate that I have to deal with these consequences. That's worldly sorrow, as it says there in 2 Corinthians. That's a worldly sorrow. Everybody has that. Everybody has those things that they're sorry for that they've done because they're going to suffer for it. Nobody wants to suffer, right? 
But this godly sorrow, it says it works something in us, and it comes from God. A man cannot produce it. So if you're here this morning, you're listening to me, and something in you is, is kind of like, yeah, man, I really am so messed up. I really need some help. And all my best effort has got me where I am today and the mess I am, right? And you start to realize it says that, you know, it works a repentance or a change of mind that leads to salvation. It leads to this renewed life. When the Bible talks about salvation in a lot of different ways, it talks about being born again. It's another way of terminating it. Being saved, right? It's this idea that, look, I'm drowning in the middle of this big lake. I'm drowning. I don't know how to swim. I'm going under, but I'm going to keep trying. And so I'm doggy paddling, coming up for a breath, you know, and I'm doggy paddling. But look, without a Savior, I'm going down. And the problem is, is this thing is, is, is drawn out throughout a lifespan. And so we keep catching that breath and thinking, oh, I'm okay. I got this. I got this. But I promise you, without Jesus Christ, without the Lord saving you and reaching out and throwing salvation to you and reaching his hand and saying, come to me, and without you grabbing that hand and trusting in it with everything in you, you're going down, friend. It may look good to your neighbors, may look good to your brother, may look good to your mommy, may look good to your church. But if something deep within your soul hasn't been made new, if something deep down within you hasn't happened that we call salvation, that we call being born again, it says like this in John chapter 3, it says, Jesus comes along, he's talking to this super religious guy, and he says, I say to you, very, truly, truly, I say to you, that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the guy's like, what in the world does that mean, right? And then later on he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So this thing comes from above. This thing comes from something otherworldly. This thing does not come from even this church or this pastor, or this group, like, whoa, what church is right? Do these guys got it right? No, this comes from God himself, and a human being coming to God, realizing that he is so undone and able, unable to do anything about it. Literally, no matter what, you can crawl on your knees from here to the other side of the country with blood going everywhere, and you can give your life to be burned, but without Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on that cross, Right? Without that, we have no hope this morning. There is no hope outside of that. The Bible says this. It says that the, the penalty, the, the, the due, the wages of your sin is death. What we all deserve is death. That's the just payment for a holy God. He says this. I, I don't understand it. But he dictates this to us through his holy word and says, listen, what we all deserve because of our sin is death. It's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about a separation from God because everybody dies physically. But spiritually, that's not true. The ones who die are the ones who reject Christ. The ones that put their hands up and say, no, 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 I got this. I, I, I don't need you. And so this repentance, this work of God comes upon a man and breaks his heart and in the inner be most inner being and shows us our sinfulness. In Matthew 3, 
chapter one, uh, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Same thing Christ said. This was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And that same John in his raiment, his clothes of camel hair and girdened leather around his loins, and his food was locusts and honey. And he went out to him in Jerusalem and Judea and all the regions around about the Jordan, and they were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. So they came, and it wasn't like, hey, pastor, I want to get baptized. It was, it, I, I can just picture this. I mean, it just keeps it simple. In the, but they came weeping. They came literally confessing their sins openly, like, I'm a sinner. I, I need help. And I, I think that a lot of times we fall short of realizing, like, what really coming to God is all about, guys. It's not about, you know, saying a prayer or coming to a church and becoming a member of a church. It's about coming to God with our, our brokenness and truly just confessing who we really are and what we really need. So they came confessing their sins. When the Pharisees came, and the Sadducees, which were the highly religious, the most religious of that time in that area where Christ came, they came to his baptism and said, to, he said to them, O generation of vipers, you snakes, you dirty snakes, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruits, meat, or worthy of repentance. So a lot of times we get this whole idea of Repentance and the fruit of repentance really all mixed up and all put in one big ball, and this is repentance. And listen, this is really important what I'm about to say to you. I don't have much time. But repentance to most people is turn from my wicked ways and stop doing the bad things I did, and so let's start doing this. It's called behavior modification. This is what is going on today in the world we live in. I'm going to stop doing the bad things. I'm going to start doing the good things. And I'm going to say, Jesus is Lord, and that's it, right? It's, it's called behavior modification. I'm going to stop doing the bad things. But listen, if you could do that, you wouldn't need Jesus. You understand? If you could get your life together, if you could do it all by yourself, then you don't need God. But the Bible is explicitly clear that we have no hope outside of the sacrifice in the person of Jesus Christ. We have no hope. So it's not talking about that. Those, those, those changes that happen with us should be a fruit or an outworking of what has already happened deep within our hearts and our minds. Okay? So repentance is this thing that happens deep within and the fruit of it will always come. So if a guy says, look, I've repented, I'm good with God, but he's still living like the devil and there's no change and there's no sanctification going on in his life, that means a change of God pulling a man to holiness and literally changing, you know, and that doesn't happen overnight. It can hap happens over a lifetime. But if that's not happening in a guy, then listen, chances are he knows nothing of Christ. Repentance is something that happens again. It, it's a brokenness and a coming to God, realizing, look, I can't do anything. It's a surrender and saying, God, I can't do anything here. But he said, listen, not just repent, but he said, believe. Not just that we must repent, but we must believe. And you cannot do one without the, uh, the other. Just remember, the gospel is a two-part thing. And without 
repentance, you have no salvation when you have no gospel. And without believing, you neither have repentance nor the gospel. It's impossible to have one. They're like a coin, one side of the, one's like the head and one the tail. You can't have it with one without the other. And that word belief is really a same derivative or root that we get for faith. When you're reading faith and belief, it's the same root. It's to be persuaded, deeply persuaded. It has a sacred significance to be persuaded by the Lord. And in context in the Bible, it can mean two different things, and it depends on the context of it, whether it is a sacred belief. Because you, you can believe in lots of things, right? You can believe in, you can really, truly believe in a fake God. You can really, truly believe in, in money and have all your faith in money. You can believe in a lot of things. But biblical faith is putting your hope in Christ and what he did on that cross and that it was worthy and able to pay for the price of your sins. And you so believe it, you're willing to trust in it. Trust your life in that sacrifice. I'm having trouble with this thing sitting still. So this is all, again, let me go back to all this again being about grace. And the very definition of grace is someone showing you favor, giving you something that you do not deserve. So it literally cannot mean what it was taught for thousands of years that you have to do these sacraments to get this favor from God and this, this you know, God, I want, the, you know, I need you, so I'll do this, and then you do me some favors. No, 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 no. The whole definition if you research the history of everything about grace, is somebody or some, someone giving you something you absolutely do not deserve. And so it says in Ephesians that by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. I mean, it couldn't get any clearer. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. Right? It is not a thing from man. It's a gift from God. And he comes to us and he calls us and he says, come to me. And we can reject him or we can accept him. And that's why, that's why the history of Christmas and Christmas gifts. We give gifts as a, as a, as a showing or like a metaphor, allegory of the, what God did. He gave us a, the gift of Jesus Christ and we can accept that gift or reject that gift. I've heard stories of people rejecting gifts from people that they were estranged from and said, look, I don't want your gift. And it says this gift must be received and, and believed. And you must in your inward being turn away from what I think, what I want and, and surrender and say, God, no, no, God, not what I want, not what I think, what you say, God, I submit to now. I'm choosing to believe. I'm choosing to trust in you alone, God, and not in my good works and not all the things that I think I can do. God, I can do nothing and I put all my trust in you and you alone, God. Have you really? Have you really had this deep change within you and been transformed, born again, made a new person? You know, I, I, I'm really into cults because of the work I'm in in evangelism, and I deal with a lot of people from a lot of different religions. 
You know, one day I may be talking to a Mormon. Next day I may be talking to a Jehovah's Witness. Next day I may be talking to a Hindu. You just never know with me out in the streets or even here when I'm in the States. I, I, I like talking to people. I reach out. I like talking to people and find out what they think and whatnot. And um, I found that a lot of these people, they have some serious emotional experiences when they join cults. It's not like it was all just some head thing. You know, we, we, we have both things going on a lot of times. You know, it's just like all some good information and I understand it up here in my head and I'm good. And then you got the other people that are real into their feelings and really into this experience I had. And let me tell you, both can be really dangerous. Both ends of those spectrums. And both of them can be really healthy and good. In true Christianity, we're not just brainless, you know, oh, I believe this because my grandma taught it or because it's historically been going on for a long time. There's some real solid reasons why we believe what we believe, and we should know those. And we can have a real emotional experience, but look, you can have a had of a relation, an ex- emotional experience in your life and know nothing of Christ. Christ came that we could be free from our sins, that we could be set free and made new. Christ died that we we really do something in our lives here and now, not just in the by and by, but as well then, too. He came that he could save us and bring freedom to the captives. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, as you're smiling and telling people Merry Christmas, are you really free? Because I found in churches a lot smaller than this, people going to church a lot longer than you all. It's often they know nothing of a new birth. They know nothing of true salvation. They know nothing of Christ. And we get so caught up in what's going on in the style of worship and the style of the church that we forget that, listen, there's a holy God that we will all stand before that looks through us with eyes of fire, the Bible says, and he knows the intents and motivations of our hearts and everything we've ever done. Can you imagine what you did in that bedroom that one time 10 years ago? What you did when you were a you know, little teenage girl, little teenage boy? God knows everything we've ever done. And he's going to judge us as a pure and holy God. Are we really ready to stand before him this morning? I want to tell you, listen, it's by his grace and his mercy and his sacrifice on that cross. But it's not just that. It's your faith and you're truly trusting in that. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. You don't need to come to church. You didn't need to, yeah, coming to church is a fruit of that. It's important. That's not what makes you born again. That you prayed a prayer, that you were baptized. You need Christ to come in. This real God, invisible God, to do a heart surgery deep within you. So I ask you this morning, if you're here this morning, just bow your heads and your hearts with me. If you know for sure, you know the Lord, be praying for those that don't. And I just want you to to 